Again, thank you for having me and for everybody listening. Thank you so much. And, you know, listen to this episode more than once. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd recommend listen to it once, listen to it again, take notes on it and apply. We said it right in the beginning. Most <laughs> of us know what to do and we don't do it. Don't make this the same. Mm-hmm. If you make this the same, oh, you listened to it. That was some great information. Maybe I'll try that. And then you go back to work and you get busy and then you forget about it. And then six years go by and someone else tells you the same thing. And then you go, I heard about that on a podcast once. (laughs) Well, you didn't do any of it. If you don't apply what you've heard, you've wasted your time listening to this. Mm -hmm. Listen and apply and your whole life will change. Yes. Hello and welcome to ND Inspo, where our mission is to connect, grow, and inspire naturopathic doctors and students from all over. My name is Dr. Kirsten DeWitt, and today I have with me Dr. Jamil Sayaj. Dr. Jamil is an international life, business, and relationship coach, integrative naturopathic physician, master, NLP practitioner, and the author of 20 Steps to Your Next Breakthrough. He works with leaders and high performers from all walks of life, including world champion athletes, best-selling authors, entrepreneurs, business professionals, and more to create an extraordinary life without regret. I really wanted to have Dr. Jamil on today to show the way that he is utilizing his knowledge with naturopathic medicine to help him um, in his coaching business and also just to help bring us some more inspiration into our lives because this has been an interesting year and I think that we could all use as much inspiration as we could get. So thank you so much, Dr. Jamil, for being with us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Kirsten. Really appreciate it. And thank you to everybody who's tuning in. Happy to be with you. Yeah, I'm so excited to kind of dive into your journey and then also just, you know, how can we all live extraordinary lives? Because who wouldn't want that? (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Exactly. So um, just to get us started, um, what brought you to naturopathic medicine? Mm. Yeah, so for me, my kind of health journey kicked off when I was 14 years old. That's when I had my kind of health epiphany. And I think Mm -hmm. prior to that, I probably had the worst diet of anyone I've ever (laughs) worked with. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I didn't, I was pretty, I wasn't sleeping well, energy was low, I was kind of sick all the time. And uh, freshman year of high school, I joined the track and field team, became a runner, and uh, never really ran intentionally (laughs) like that in my life. And I noticed I just, I didn't feel good. And I wasn't really getting great results, even though I was putting in the work. And I didn't know why. And eventually something just intuitively felt, maybe it's my diet. Maybe it's what I'm putting in my body. Mm-hmm. And so I did some online searches, read some books and really found out, yeah, you know, maybe drinking three liters of soda a day is a bad idea. You know, <laughs> maybe not drinking water and uh, hating vegetables and all this, you know, I, I, I like, let's keep going. <laughs> but I realized that was probably not serving me. And so I made some pretty drastic changes overnight. And then I made some over the next year or two. And my health took off in a whole different way that I never experienced before. And that created this massive, like positive motivation and reinforcement to keep diving in and learning as much as I could about, I had no idea what naturopathic medicine was at the time. I came from a family of conventional physicians and there was many of them, my dad, uncles, and cousins. And, you know, I was learning about nutrition, lifestyle medicine, and everything that we could do to really prevent or reverse disease. And there was so much out there from different healthcare practitioners from around the world that I was never exposed to growing up in the medical kind of family and background that I had. And I started sharing it with family members and they started applying some of the stuff I was sharing with them and they would feel better and they would lose weight and they'd get off their medications. And now it felt like this big positive reinforcement where now I want to learn it even more because it didn't only work for me, but it worked for them too. And at one point it really got exciting because around 14, 15, some of my uncles who were the heads of the hospital, we'd be at a family party and they would say, so what have you been up to? And in my mind, it's like, oh, they're a doctor, they'll get it. And I would just geek out about the biochem of something I just learned and dive deep into, did you know this drug does this? And you know, you can do A, B and C to get off this. And they had no idea, but we would get into a deep conversation. They would apply it with their patients without me knowing. And then like three, four months would go by 
And they would say, yeah, you know, my patient's not diabetic anymore. Or my patient has this, he has that. And it felt so cool to see that, wow, the stuff that I'm learning from videos and from books and from mentors and all that kind of stuff, it's being applied in the real world with people that I've shared it to and they're getting results. And so that continued until I was 19. And then when I was 19, my dad had a brain aneurysm and his brain aneurysm basically allowed him another three years of life before he passed away. And in those three years, I worked in a medical office as a medical assistant. And I was really fortunate that the physician took me under his wing and trained me to do everything. So I was the x-ray tech, the nutritionist, the phlebotomist, the EKG guy. Like I did the physical exam, they did all of it. And I got to work with about 100 people a day for two and a half years. And it was such a profound experience. And I knew that medicine was something I wanted to do since I was younger. And that definitely reinforced it. And in those three years, I was watching this YouTube video of this medical series. And the physician you know, gave a presentation, blew me away. It was so good. And he was an ND. And I didn't know what that was. And I look it up. And all of a sudden, I find this whole type of medicine that I didn't know existed that was exactly in alignment with the health philosophy I'd had for the previous five or seven years, five to seven years. And there was this idea that I always thought that didn't exist. So I was going to go to conventional medical school, keep learning all the holistic nutrition lifestyle on my own, kind of like my, like Dr. Marcola at the time was a big person I was listening to. And someone like him, it's like, all right, maybe a DO school is probably the most holistic it's going to get. <laughs> and then I found out about naturopathic medicine. And uh, I applied to the, the uh, Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine in Arizona, moved over there, fell in love with it. And I remember moving, uh, before I moved, I went to, for my interview, never been to Arizona. It was July, 126 degrees. I'm wearing a, uh, a wool blazer. <laughs> And I am just sweating my face off. And at the same time, I am having such a great time. It felt like home. It felt like everyone there thought very similarly. It felt like a family. Everyone made me feel so welcomed. And just really what took me on a journey of five years in Arizona that wouldn't trade for anything. And it sounds like, um, it sounds like you started doing the coaching part of what you are still doing today really early on then. Um, I mean, you were already impacting lives at 14, which is pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, and it's funny that you kind of started with the track, um, track and field area, because just thinking back to high school, we ate so terribly. And I remember back then, if you went to Subway, you thought that you were eating really healthy, right? Like that was like the healthy option. Everyone else was going to McDonald's. I thought that I was doing so great eating Subway, you know? Um, but it's, it is just funny kind of thinking back to that. And, um, and it's great how much impact you had at such a young age. And so, um, so how would you say then, I mean, is that really where like the coaching aspect began for you as well absolutely one quick side note yeah. what you just said about the subway thing <laughs> a good there's a two friends of mine that we've been in a group chat probably since we were 16 and we all went to high school together and so the other day one of my friends sent a message going can you believe this is what we ate and it was like a, a typical lunch probably four to five days a week and it was essentially a cinnamon roll <laughs> a bag of tropical skittles a large soda two or three like french fry little tubs <laughs> and then maybe uh either pizza or fried something and it was horrendous <laughs> so yes. go, i'm alive like I'm, it's amazing and i so, know uh, <laughs> and, and I just want to bring that up and to your question yeah i would say that the part of the story that i left out because it wasn't really applicable to naturopathic medicine you know 14 is when i got into the health component and that's continued to this day but 15 is when i asked myself the question what really constitutes a truly fulfilling life? What are the other areas? Health is one of them. And then I thought, well, relationships are one of them. And so just like with health, I just dove in fully and I went online and I purchased DVD courses, CD programs, books by some of the top marriage therapists and dating coaches in the world. And I went to master communication and I really wanted to understand what was the difference that made the difference? Why were some couples 60, 70, 80 years old or older and they've been married almost their whole life and they're so in love. And why are other couples either 
really struggling, you know, 10, 20 years in, or they get a divorce really early on. Like what caused it that? What was the reason? And so I wanted to figure that out. And just like with the health, I'd be at a family party or I'd be at school or I'd be somewhere and I'd have people say, Hey, you know, you know, my husband or my wife or my boyfriend or my girlfriend or whatever, we're having issues and I would help them communicate. And then I would hear back, you know, a couple of weeks later and it would say, Hey, you know, we ended up, didn't, we didn't get, we didn't get a divorce because of like the mediation that you helped us with of just really, cause I found early on that, especially when mediating with couples, one partner says whatever their, you know, their challenges, whatever the grievances, whatever they're not liking. And the other person typically doesn't hear that. Like they hear something completely different. They hear it like an attack. And mm-hmm. so what one person hears and what the other person says are usually very different. And that makes it hard, really hard to communicate. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't know what coaching was at the time, but it was just, you know, helping people. And so I was working with them with their health. And then I started combining with the relationship stuff. And then I got exposed to the work of uh, Tony Robbins and neuro-linguistic programming, which is the NLP background that you mentioned. And in the beginning, it was all self-study. It was just hundreds and thousands of hours over the years of just consuming videos and books and as many things as I can get my hands on. And then eventually going to trainings and getting certifications and doing all these advanced trainings. And absolutely, yeah, I look at my coaching as starting when I was 14 and continuing to this day. So I I like to tell people, yeah, I've been coaching for 16 years and I've been doing it professionally for about three. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you talk about relationships because I, I really feel like that's just an area that, um, you know, we, we touch on a little bit in naturopathic medicine and in our counseling courses um, and in the social determinants, but it plays such a huge role in our lives um, personally as naturopathic doctors, but then obviously, you know, our relationships with our patients and, and the relationships that they have as well impacts their health. Um, and so it is just a, a really key element of, of health. Um, so whether you're a coach or a naturopathic doctor, it's just, you know, a good, um, something to be educated on or to have good resources for to provide your patients with because that might be the element that is, you know, kind of keeping someone from reaching the optimal level of health that, you, that they're looking for. Um, and maybe it is something to do with the communication pattern that they have with their partner or with their friends and family. You know, there's so many things that impact our relationships, but like you mentioned, um, that's a big one that I've been noticing even for myself of the way that I interpret what is being said to me and, and the way that someone else is interpreting what I'm saying. And I, I have definitely said recently, like words matter. They make a difference, right? Because you might be speaking a language that you understand, but maybe your partner doesn't or your parents don't or friends, um, whoever it is. But um, yeah, I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you brought that, brought that up. (laughs) Thank you. And something that you just hit on that I wanted to speak to, you said something like the language that they're speaking may not be the same. Imagine if you didn't speak Chinese and I just started speaking Chinese right now, it would sound as if I'm just making sounds, right? Like there's no, you have no idea what I'm saying. Now we make the assumption that, oh, we both speak English. Mm -hmm. Therefore, whatever I say, you're going to understand. But the thing is just because you understand like the words doesn't mean the words mean the same thing to mm-hmm. you and I. And so I could say something and you could take it a whole different way than I intended. And that could be the source of so much of our conflict. But if we don't actually address that and we just keep building on it, then the whole foundation of the conflict is based on a miscommunication, mis- uh, a misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. And then so that's where it's, there's, it pops up so often. And you mentioned with naturopathic medicine, the philosophy we use in naturopathic medicine of treat the whole person, get to the root cause. I do that as well. And that's where some of the naturopathic component comes into my coaching philosophy, because let's say I'm working with someone on their business or on their relationship or on their mindset. The health component always plays a role because let's say you say, I want to make more money. I want to grow my business. It's like, all right, cool. We're going to put that strategy and plan into effect into action rather. But at the same time, if you're in a relationship and when you get home, 
there's a lot of stress, a lot of miscommunication. That's going to bring down that quality of life. That's going to make you feel worse, even though business might be improving. And let's say your relationship and your business are going really well, but because you're putting so much time into those things, your health is being you know, ignored and that's falling apart. So now you don't feel good and you've all, you're on medications and you have all these conditions going on and maybe your lifespan is shortened, right? So you have your health, your relationships and your success, however you define that. And that triangle is what I look at because if it's a three-legged stool. If I ignore one or two of those areas, your life doesn't improve as much as it could. But if I aim to focus on all three, that's when you get that rising tide lifts all boats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love that you bring all of those together because again, bringing it back to the social determinants, we just know how, how much the relationships can impact our health. And I see that often with things like migraines and headaches, you know, we'll, we'll do a little time log of when they're occurring and, oh, this is odd. They're occurring when I come home from work. Um, or they're only, they only happen on the weekends. And then you start to look at what their home life is or the environment that they're coming home to is like, and, and that's kind of where the triggers are. Um, so, so yes, relationships can play such a big role on, on our health in so many different ways that maybe we're not even aware of or thinking about. Yeah, you know, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he wrote a great book called The Biology of Belief. If anyone mm-hmm. has not read it, highly recommend that book. And it really shows you like the mind-body connection at its fullest. And the thing is, to make a quick you know, side note, one of, one of my colleagues, when we were in school, I remember she told me she had chronic back pain. And she was probably in her 20s, I think, maybe 30s, but I believe 20s. She had chronic back pain. And we talked about it for a little bit. And I brought up that it's possible that there is an emotional component to that. And she was like, you know, it's interesting you say that because she went to work with a, an acupuncturist who was trained in traditional Chinese medicine. And that person showed them how chronic anger can lead and manifest as back pain. And uh, she, and we talked about that and she had a lot of anger with a family member for years. And when, she, when that was released, the back pain went away. Mm-hmm. And in the same way, Dr. Bruce Lipton, he talks about the brain as the master chemist. And when you think a thought, you create this downstream effect, this cascade of signals that can either be inflammatory or pro-inflammatory and in terms of cytokines, or you're, you're pumping out epinephrine, norepinephrine, and cortisol, and you're getting this stress response, and you're inflaming everything and making most of your conditions worse, or you're, you're throwing out there these inflama- anti-inflammatory cytokines and dopamine and serotonin and oxytocin, and you're feeling really good, and it's just by the thoughts that you have. So now imagine, as you said with the migraines, you're coming home from work, you're anticipating something negative is gonna happen, you're anticipating a fight, maybe you already had a fight, it's been going on for a long time, you're not looking forward to being home. These thoughts have an impact, Mm -hmm. and it's amazing how it even impacts our immune system. And then we live in a world right now that I make a distinction between old and new stress. And when you think about old stress, that would be kind of stress that, you know, the caveman ancestor would have where for the most part, your nervous system is balanced, maybe slightly more parasympathetic at times. And when you need to be on in that fight or flight mode because the lion's coming after you or whatever it is, you do that and hopefully you get away. And assuming you do, that's it. You go back to being balanced. You go back to being mostly you know, on the more relaxed side. But the system's not designed to be on 24-7, on being sympathetic you know, drive. And you get this world we live in now that almost 24-7 you get a lot of sympathetic dominance in our nervous systems. And you've got people that have a lot of emotional stress, psychological stress. They've got financial stress. They've got physical stress. They're driving to work and maybe they're late. So they're having road rage and you throw all that together. And there's a lot of tension. And that leads to this fight or flight response that the body's going into as if you're getting chased by the lion, but very little of what stresses us is actually life or death but it's perceived to be. And then our immune systems tank, our blood sugars go up, we get more insulin resistant, and it just feeds this metabolic syndrome kind of model that we seem to have in the West. Yes, definitely. And then you think about, you know, as far as naturopathic doctors go right now, you know, a lot of people have been having to shift the way that they practice um, because they haven't been able to practice in person. And so a lot of people are having to completely revamp the way that they work 
And, um, and when you think about all of the hats that an naturopathic doctor typically wears, not everyone, but often, you know, they're the owner of a practice. So that means that they're, they, um, they are the boss of maybe several employees or at least one. Um, they, are obviously a practitioner and so then there's all of the patient care and and trying to coordinate all of that and doing the research for for all of their patient care and then there's home life and so you know we have a lot of parents um, that are practitioners and caregivers and so there's just so many hats that we that we wear and so like you said it all kind of piles up with everything else that's going on. And so I'm curious, what kind of um, maybe tips do you have for people that, you know, they're feeling the overwhelm? We, we all know what we should be doing to kind of help ourselves um, to help, you know, we, we all know about breath work and we have, we have the knowledge, we have the know-how, but um, when it comes to maybe actually building it into our schedule or doing it for ourselves because I, I feel like often you know we put ourselves maybe last um, even though we're telling everyone else you know you need to fill your own cup in order to um, help others but I think it's um, something that maybe we don't do as good of a job yeah. of doing as you know we could so I'm curious what what type of advice do you have for the naturopathic doctors and students out there that, you know, they're feeling that pressure, they're feeling that overwhelm with business and with um, their relationships and just everything that's going on? What, what kind of um, advice do you have for them? Yeah, so I'm going to do my best to answer that. It is very broad and you know, there's just so many different circumstances of course, but, um, and maybe you can, yeah. And maybe you can speak to if there's some examples that you've um, seen with your practice that have been coming up, you know, more yeah. frequently than others or however you want to take that. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. I'm just playing around. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to, the phrase that comes to mind is physician heal thyself. And you hit the nail on the head where you said, you know, we all know, especially like the physicians and students that are listening, we all know and or at least have an idea of things that we could be doing to take care of ourselves better. So if I, if I were to just say, do what you know, Mm -hmm. that would, that would, and and the thing is it's so kind of blunt and to the point. And at the same time, that's really where, that's the heart of it. You know, to know and not to do is not to know, as the expression goes. And so when we say, you know, I know I should be, you know, taking care of myself. I know I should be doing some breath work, or I know I should be taking some time to pray or to meditate. I know I should be getting to sleep on time. I know I should be doing these things. Then the question that is going to be, the answer is going to be different for everybody. Why aren't you doing what you know? If whatever it is that you know, in quotes, like I know I should be doing this, well, why? Why do you know that? Why do you think you should do that? Oh, I should do it for all these reasons. It's so beneficial. It'll help me in this way, in this way, in this way. Cool. So why aren't you doing it? Mm-hmm. Because clearly you've got a bigger reason not to do it than to do it. Otherwise you'd be doing it. And nobody needs to be motivated to do the things that they really want to do. They only need to be motivated to do the things they don't want to do. And so when we think, oh, like, you know, I really have to meditate. Some people, that's like the thing they look forward to most in their day. So if that's not you, why do you think you have to meditate? Because you don't. You know, there are, there's expectations that we put on ourselves, I think, based on the community, what your friends and colleagues might be doing, your friends doing some detox and your other friends doing some meditation 30-day like practice and someone else is doing this. That doesn't mean you have to do it. Just like you might tell a patient they want to exercise more, but they hate going to the gym. In their mind, exercise means lifting weights at the gym, but exercise could be dancing. It could be swimming. It could be doing something out of the box that's moving their body that's sustainable for them over the long term because they're actually going to want to keep up with it, right? And so in that same way, getting crystal clear for you, what are the self-care practices that are most rejuvenating to you? Nobody else. And do those. and start adding in 
one. Don't say, I'm going to do, you know, let's say somebody wants to meditate. I'm going to meditate for one hour today. But you haven't meditated at all in the last six months. <laughs> meditate for one minute. Make mm-hmm. that the task. Because if you make it so small that it's almost like ridiculous not to do, where you sit there going, yeah, you know, I, I could do one push-up. I could do one meditation, one minute of meditation. I can do breath work for 10 seconds. Anything like that that's so small, you're building a habit. In the same way that if you want to build a habit to, let's say, go for a run every day or go for a walk, make it even simpler, you put your shoes right next to your bed if you want to do it in the morning, let's say, or you go to sleep wearing like your walk outfit and you got your shoes right there and you have a post-it note on the wall saying go for a walk and you just go do it. But if your shoes are in the closet and they're buried under everything else and you make it hard to do, it's most likely not going to happen. You know, and so you make it simple for yourself, make it doable and make it something that you actually want to do. Either it's something you've done before that has worked, that you miss and you want to reincorporate it, or it's something that maybe you've never tried, but it's been exciting for you. you you've been curious about it. You're like, you know, I've, I've wanted to try that. And then you just do it. And this is a big part of the coaching that I'll do with people. Commitment is the only reason why you don't have what you want. Whatever it is that you say you want in your life, whatever the result is, you don't have it because you're not committed to it. Hmm. It's really that blunt and it's that, it's that straightforward. And somebody might say, it's either you don't have it and you are committed to it and you're in the process of making it real. That's different. Some, some things take time to manifest in that sense. You might have a goal to build, build your practice to X amount of 100 or 1,000 patients. And, but if you're working at that every day, every week, you're making progress, you're doing that. It's just going to be down the road, you'll see it, but you're in the process of making it real. But to bring it, make it more simple, if somebody goes, I really want to meditate every day, and I say, are you doing it? And you say, no. Well, the, the real answer is you don't want to meditate every day. Because if you did, you would. Uh, and so and it doesn't, it's not a judgment. It's more just me being a mirror for you and mm-hmm. saying, if you really want to do it, then prove it. Show me your calendar. Show me your daily planner. Show me your checkbook. That's how you spend your money and that's how you spend your time. Does that reflect what you say is important to you? And if the answer is no, then that's something for you to consider to start shifting and saying, oh, you know, I keep saying self-care is so important. I keep talking to all my patients about it, but I'm the last person that I'm taking care of. I'm not taking my own advice. I'm not being the role model for my patients. I'm not being the patient I want to have. And that's kind of the key there. And when you come from that level of integrity, your integrity with yourself, your integrity with your message, not only psychologically do you feel better because you're in alignment, what you're thinking, what you're saying, and what you're feeling are all lined up. But outside of that, you make it simple and say, what do I want to add into my life? Make it really easy to do so. And then gradually build on it day by day, week by week, and it grows. And I feel like I can keep talking about that for hours. <laughs> no, I love it. And one of the reasons why for me, um, learning more about the coaching and about building, you know, how to, how to build habits and all of those things, I think is, is really important for what we do as naturopathic doctors, because I, in, in my opinion, when I first graduated, I felt like there was this disconnect between this lovely protocol that we put together, you know, this lovely laundry list of things that we know will just change this person's life, and then them actually doing it, right? So there's this gap between what they'll actually do, what you know will be great for them um, if they do it, and then that gap and meeting them where they're at and and helping them actually implement some of those changes. You know, not all of not all of the time is it difficult because if they're motivated enough and like you said, it is something that they want to do, then they're going to do it. And if it's something that, you know, they see the benefit and, and all of that, then they're going to do it. But um, I think the challenging part of what practitioners often maybe fall short with is, okay, well, how can you, how can you help them do this for the long term and not just two weeks, right? Because yeah. anyone, anyone can do something for a couple of days and, you know, they're like, oh, like I've, I've been sticking to this. And then you do like a three week check in and they're like, well, I haven't been doing this as much and I forgot to do this thing. And so I think um, to me, it's really important to understand uh, the behaviors of people and, and how to help them 
tap into those things that you're saying um, so that you can you can kind of close that gap a little a little um, better and make it make it easier for people to make those changes um, because it is it is difficult if you're implementing something completely new maybe something that you haven't heard of before um, it can be challenging so you know we have to find ways to help um, bridge that gap or, or close that gap um, when we're asking someone to make a lifestyle change, um, which is, you know, a big part of what we, what we do. Even something like taking um, a supplement, you know, that's still a habit that someone has to form, um, even if it's just something as simple as that, right? Um, and so... Something to consider yeah. if in is, keep this in mind, if you want to motivate somebody to do something, then you have to know what already motivates them. You have to know what already is their driver, what's important mm -hmm. to them. Most of our colleagues that I have worked with have beautiful hearts and they really want to help people. One of the ingredients that they miss in the helping of that is meeting people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is there's a difference between, if you're my doctor, there's a difference between what you want from me and what I want from me. Those mm -hmm. might not be the same thing. And so when I was a student, I remember, we, as you said, we'd come up with these amazing plans. And sometimes, like me in my secondary, or if I was a secondary, me in my primary, or you know, the group, or whatever it is. And it's like, oh my God, if they do this, <laughs> their whole life is going to change. Right. And then, as you said, they come back a week or two later, and they don't do any of it. Why? A part of it is they were not involved in the creation of that. Mm -hmm. And when we can co-create a plan with somebody it's like in business, if you're working with a, a, you know, a team and you come up with the plan and you say, this is how it's going to be, they might say, all right, you know, sounds good. But then they might drop the ball. They might not do what they said. But if you both co-created that and now it's like, all right, what do you think? What do you think? Well, I think this. And then you go back and forth and you customize this plan of action that you both agree on. Now you both are bought into it. You both created it together. So you're both kind of committed to it. Mm -hmm. And now in the same way, if you can get crystal clear at the supplements, an example, does the patient know the real reason why they're taking it? And it's not just like the logical reason. Oh, you know, your blood pressure's high or this, <laughs> like, what is the, like, there's gotta be more of an emotional drive to it. I think one of the things that when I was in school, I noticed a lot of people had some triggers around or they were triggered by this idea of learning how to sell. And I think that was one of the most important things I did um, during school, but also throughout my coaching career and learning how to sell. Because when you, most people have a negative connotation to sales and they think selling is that stereotypical like car salesman who's trying to take advantage of you. When in reality, every, and, and you'll hear people say, you know, I'm not a salesperson. When at least from my estimation, respectfully, that's wrong. Every single person is a salesperson because every day, at least from a physician and a student perspective, you, assuming you're working with you know, patients and clients, you are selling them on why they should change. You are selling them on why they should listen to you. You are selling your, 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 if you're a teacher, your students on why they should listen. If you're a parent, you're selling your kids on why they should do the way you think should be done. All that kind of stuff. What is sales? Sales is just being influential. And persuasive and when you can be influential and persuasive with the client or the patient's highest good in mind then you're going to convince them or persuade them for them but at the same time being able to understand all right maybe i've got this amazing plan with all these supplements and all these lifestyle changes and but again oftentimes we don't start small so it's like you never meditate it. I want you to meditate every day mm -hmm. for like 30 minutes. And you've never like you're like massively overweight and you don't exercise at all. And I want you to walk four miles a day. And you do all these things that you think would be great. And if they actually did it, maybe it would be. But at the same time, it gets overwhelming for a lot of people. And it gets discouraging because it you basically unintentionally set them up to fail because it, it became way too much for them. And when they're set up to fail, they get this they do fail. They usually they get discouraged. They don't do any of it. And then the mindset is maybe it's me. Maybe I can't do it. Maybe I'm not cut out for this. Then maybe they don't come back to see you. Or maybe they do, 
but they didn't do any of it. And, and now they feel a sense of like shame. Like they don't want to bring it up to you because you're their doctor and you guys had a great session last time or appointment and they didn't want to let you down. And so I think when we can meet our patients where, where they're at, we can start small. And the whole key is baby steps, one step at a time. Am I better than I was yesterday? Am I a little bit further along than I was yesterday? And if we can encourage that, knowing that wherever they want to be, if they're committed to it, we're committed to it, we'll get there. But commitments can change. And mm -hmm. maybe you've been working with them for a certain period of time and they don't want anymore whatever they said they wanted. But they didn't say that to you. So you're still operating under the same <laughs> assumption that full steam ahead and they're not being compliant and you don't understand why. But you have that conversation. You know, do you still want this? Is this still the goal that you have that we're working towards? No, I, I actually don't really want it anymore. It's like, oh, why didn't you say anything? Oh, you know, I don't, and they don't communicate. And so mm -hmm. oftentimes most people are more soft-spoken, more introverted. They don't really speak it out. And so holding that safe space for people, non-judgmental, full of love, full of service, full of wanting to serve them as much as we possibly can. And then being their biggest cheerleader, really cheering them on along the way and setting them up for success and celebrating the victories along the way, that positive reinforcement. Because now you become this person in their life, they might not have anybody else like that. Here's this person who comes to see you and in their mind, you're somebody who hears them out. You listen to them, you hold space for them to share. You don't make them wrong when they didn't do something, but you lovingly like, you know, shift and course correct them back on track. And then you cheer them on, you encourage them, you come up with ideas, you ask them for input as well. So you kind of co-create the plan together. That's kind of a recipe for success to have patients that become way more compliant. I agree. I think that's, I, I think that's a huge thing. And I think that, um, you know, maybe those that have been practicing for a lot longer have picked up on a lot of those, um, you know, tactics for communicating better and working better with their patients. But it is something that you kind of have to learn as you, as you go. Um, if you don't know that right out of the gate. Um, so I'm glad that you spoke to that because again, I just think it can become also for the practitioner, you know, then, then you start thinking, well, what am I doing wrong? And why, you know, why aren't they following through with this? Uh, why haven't they come back? And, you know, well, maybe it is because you didn't make it accessible for them, or um, maybe you weren't clear uh, on what their motivation is or what their priority is. That's something that I tend to kind of start out with is, well, let's see what your priorities actually are um, in, in your life so that we can make sure that we're working towards those things rather than, like you said, me just telling you what I think you should do. Well, let's see, let's see what you actually want out of life. Let's see what you actually want out of your health, you know, and then we can, then we can get started because otherwise, you know, you're going to spend so much time putting together again, this, this beautiful plan for them. And it, it might not be the right plan for them. And also, like you said, it might change because people change. We all change. Um, there's always these, so, there's so many factors in our lives that impact what our priorities are and, and what does motivate us and what's important to us in this given moment. And so we have to be able to uh, change, change with our our patients and our clients as well, because that's just how life is. You know, it's not, it's not a linear, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not as linear as we would, would like it to be maybe sometimes, but, but that's and, also, and the I guess thing, the beauty, right? <laughs> yeah. And something that I brought up the sales for a different a mm. reason that I didn't bring up in the moment, just this idea that if you were, and I can give a reference of how someone can do this, but if you were to learn how to effectively sell, why would that be an asset to you? It would be an asset to you because practically everyone in the world can benefit from what you do. Mm -hmm. And then for most of us, practically no one in the world knows who you are. Yeah. And so from that perspective, and then even if they know who you are, they don't know what you do. And if you're most people, you don't know what you do. Like, because when you try to communicate it, it comes out really confusing. And if that's the case, most people only are going to listen for 30 seconds or for a minute or for 15 seconds. 
in a party or in a short conversation or whatever it is, they're not going to give you an hour to flush it out of what it is you do. <laughs> so, but, if, but if you start talking about, oh, you know, I do acupuncture, that's a tool, but mm -hmm. that's not usually what you want to market in the sense that it's like features and benefits. Features is like, oh, you get this many sessions in the package and it's for this many minutes, but nobody cares about that. People want to know what's the result I'm going to get. And you're only going to get that through conversation. So if you and I are having a conversation and you're the potential patient and I start asking you all these questions. I'll say, oh yeah, what do you do? And I give you like a nice five, 10 second kind of thing that I've thought about that sounds interesting. And you might say, wow, tell me more about that. And I might come back with, well, give me an example. As you look at your health and your future, where do you want to go? And you might tell me about, oh, you know, I really want to lose weight or I really want this, you know, I'm on insulin or whatever the case may be. And now we have a 20 minute conversation if it's you know, appropriate to the moment about emotionally why you want to change and why it's important and why all those changes would make a difference for you. And at the end of that conversation, you're sitting there realizing, wow, you know, I'm 40 years old. My dad had a heart attack in his 50s and my grandfather had a heart attack in his 50s. And I have a kid who's three or four. I want to be there for my kid's wedding. And so now you have this emotional driver. And because we had a conversation about it, I know about it. So now we can have a conversation about it. And it's like, how about we partner together to make sure you're at your, your daughter or your son's wedding. And from that perspective, they're like, I am all in. How do I sign up? Tell me what to do. I'll do it. But if you just say, oh yeah, I do acupuncture and I know like botanical medicine, most people are like, what's the botanical? You know, so it's like from that perspective, we lose people unintentionally. We mean well and we really want to help, but we speak doctor. We speak mm -hmm. medicine. We don't, we speak naturopathic medicine. We're not <laughs> speaking English. We're not speaking <laughs> Same thing with coaching. Most coaches speak coaching language. That's not what most people are buying though. And so when you speak the results, like tell stories about the people you've worked with and someone goes, oh, what do you do? Oh, let me give you an example. You know, there was this woman that I partnered with for the last like year or so. And you know, her goal was to do this. We helped her lose like 50 pounds. We helped her do this, this, this. She's got more energy than ever. She's sleeping better. Her diabetes went away. And now they're like, wow, like I want some of that. <laughs> like that's what people buy. They buy the result. And when you start speaking from that result, from an excited, enthusiastic place, because that's why you do it, you know? It's like we all get into it usually for these beautiful reasons. We want to make an impact and a difference. We want to help people. But that typically gets lost in our conversation of what we do. So people don't really dive deep and ask us many questions about it because they're kind of confused. Yeah, no, I love that you pointed out that distinction between just giving a laundry list of the tools that we use versus the the results that they act that they give because one not everyone uses the same tools and maybe they get the same results right and that's one of the beautiful things with naturopathic medicine is we do have a lot of tools not everyone uses all of them and not everyone needs to use all of them um, and we're not going to use all of them on every patient or client that we see because it's you know not always necessary for each person and so um, just giving the laundry list of the tools that we have doesn't necessarily um, define or speak to what we actually do for people. And I also, you know, we, uh, I just spoke with Dr. Amanda Shea about this and um, kind of about the marketing mindset and how, you know, it is more about educating people because there are so many people that do not know what we do. And if we're scared of sounding salesy or, you know, thinking about it in that way, then like you said, there's, there's so many people that are going to be left without the help that they could have gotten to have such a much better life. Um, and, and I think that's kind of, again, maybe, maybe what we're misinterpreting when we think of marketing or when we think of sales is that it's this big negative thing, but really it's, it's a matter of just speaking to someone in a way that um, is going to help them see what, they how their life could look yeah. with with our help um and i and i think i think we forget about how much we have to offer <laughs> as naturopathic doctors yeah and when you think about as you said a lot of people have this resistance to sales mm -hmm. but the truth of the matter you can't 
fully help somebody if you don't sell them first. And this is the reason. If say anyone listening to this could try to you know refute this, and I don't think you would, this idea <laughs> that what would be more help for somebody? You having a 20-minute conversation with them at a party in passing, telling them, oh, yeah, do this, do this, try that, try that, or them being your patient and coming to work with you once a month for the next year and having follow-up and having, you know, maybe emails or some type of accountability, and they're in consistent communication with you, and they're investing in it, which is now making them pay more attention, which is now making them take more responsibility. Everybody who's been in practice long enough knows that's what you got to do. <laughs> and anything outside of that, you're having a conversation, but you're actually doing them a disservice because they're going to leave that 20-minute call or that 20-minute party conversation or hallway medicine conversation, whatever you want to call it. They're going to leave that and feel like, oh, wow, like I know exactly what I got to do. And now there's going to be all these roadblocks they're going to run into and potential questions they're going to have, and you're not there. And so now maybe they make mistakes or they, go, they do something that actually hurts them because you didn't have all the information, which is why they say don't practice hallway medicine, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and so with all that in mind, when you're crystal clear on your intention and your intention is really for them, then any like ickiness about sales is because you're focusing on you. When you're focusing on yourself, oh, like I'm trying to get something from them. I'm trying to take their money. That's why you feel icky. That's got nothing to do with sales. That's your mindset in that moment. When you're focusing on, I, I can't wait to be in conversation with this person and just be genuinely curious about them and their life and what they want. And if I can help them completely transform their life, using that metaphor I used before of the potential guy who is 50 and his kid's like four and he wants to you know, walk his daughter down the aisle when he's 70. If, if I could help him do that, and I don't, because I don't want to sell him, am I really helping him? Or am I hurting him dramatically because he might have a heart attack in the next five to 10 years because I was maybe the only shot because he wasn't going to meet someone else like me? You know, as an example, we get to be that wake up call for people and that partner to create that life that they want from their health perspective. But if we're not willing to, you know, kind of be their champion, to step up to the plate, to put to bat for them, then it's not going to happen. And so I would really say if everyone would get crystal clear, there's a book that I'm actually almost done with. It's called How I Raised Myself from Failure to Success in Selling. Phenomenal book. It was written like 100 years ago. And uh, <laughs> really, really good. And I think it directly applies because sales is sales in anything. And I bring it up again because one of the main things that most naturopaths don't have is a business background and a sales background. Some of them do, but I think it's a minority. And like, I didn't. I had to learn it all on my own after. But the thing is, yeah, you might have got a, like we had a couple business courses like every now and then. But for most people, like, that, what, that didn't cut it. And so if you don't learn business, if you don't learn sales, you have to remember you're wearing multiple hats. Unless you are working at an office and you're just on like a commission split or something like that. Mm -hmm. If you've got your own practice, you are the entrepreneur and you're the physician. If you only want to wear one of those hats, you're going to go out of business. And the thing is, and that's not being like negative, that's just being real. Mm -hmm. And so, but the thing is, business is a lot of fun. It's just when you actually, you know, learn it, everything can be fun if you make it fun. Some people go, oh, you know, I hate math or I hate history. But there are videos that you could watch or movies that you could watch that are historically based. They could be the most interesting, entertaining thing ever. It's because you hate it the way it was taught to you. You hate it reading the textbook and you found that really boring. But if it was told in like a story format, let's all go on stage and act it out or reenact it, that might have been really cool. And now you might be the biggest history buff ever. In the same way, any negative uh, connotations or associations you have with sales, that unfortunately is going to really hold you back. And so I would definitely recommend you read that book and you do everything you can to start rewriting some of those money stories that you might have. A lot of people that I've worked with in the past have these stories of, oh, you know, I don't have that much money and I'd love to make a lot of money, but, you know, I don't want to be a bad person. And it's such an interesting statement because you said they're going, where did that come from? And I'll ask them because, again, money is neutral. It's not good or bad. It's a tool. It's got nothing to do with good or bad people. And 
they'll say, oh, well, you know, growing up, and this is where it comes from. It's like growing up, you know, mom or dad always said X, Y, and Z about money. And people who have money are like this. And then you realize, wow, that just that thought planted a seed in them subconsciously that has sprouted and has completely sabotaged any chance they have of becoming wealthy. And the more wealthy you are, the bigger of the difference in the impact you can make, the more people you can help. Like, you know, I went to school in SCNM and like when I was in school, Dr. Sean um, Hessler and Dr. Sarah Hessler, you know, they started Nature Paths Without Borders, started it and or run it, one of the two. And they, and I got to go to Mexico several times with them. And let's say, you know, that's all donation based. Let's say you say, you know what? I'm gonna learn sales, I'm gonna become really wealthy and then I'm gonna donate like $100,000 a year to all these patients, all these supplements and testing. That would be awesome. You'd help a lot more people than you are now but you can't do that if you don't have the money, right? And so the money helps you make a bigger impact. And so if you don't want that, that's fine. But if you do want to make the money, you need to learn how to sell. You need to learn how to be influential. You need to learn how to help other people understand what's on offer. It's not, I do homeopathy and I do acupuncture. You might, you might do like incredible work with those two things and get amazing results. But the, the average person has no idea what homeopathy is. Mm-hmm. And you saying you do that, they don't, do I need that? Like, they don't know what that is. And you say, I do acupuncture, but they had, an ex- I, I know people that have told me they've worked with acupuncturists and this one guy they worked with was a God and he completely turned everything around. And the other three people they worked with didn't do anything. And so the moment you say, oh yeah, I do acupuncture. That's where you leave it. Now, all of a sudden in my mind, I'm like, oh yeah, you're like my cousin who does acupuncture and his thing didn't do anything for me. And so you could be so different. And so in that, with that in mind, understand kind of, I'm kind of like putting it all together in my head right now. (laughs) Understand what it is that you do. Be able to communicate that in an enthusiastic and heartfelt way. Really take some time, journal about it, reconnect to why you do what you do. What got you into this work in the first place? What kind of impact do you want to make with people? And then get specific, like write down patient names like Joe and Mary and Cindy and the kind of life that you're helping them create and what they're going to be able to do because of that to the point where you have tears coming down your face because you're like, this is why I do it. Then from that place, know that when you're not out there actively telling people what you do, you're robbing the world of that gift. Like, you know, And I I say that to inspire, not to like judge or criticize, because when I say you rob the world, it's meant to be a little bit jarring. It's meant to wake you up because when you realize, wow, there's 10 people in this room of a hundred that I'm going to speak to today. And, you know, maybe pre COVID, maybe it might be a zoom call, but either way, there's 10 people that I'm about to speak to and none of them know me. And at the end of these conversations, I could be, this conversation could be, I could be the catalyst. This could be the reason for their whole life, health-wise, changing trajectory, extra decades of life, being there for their kids, beautiful relationship with their husband or wife, health conditions going away. Or I could just keep it to myself and not really say anything because they didn't ask and I don't want to be pushy. It's got nothing to do with being pushy. If I told you right now, here's like $100,000 and I want you to go out and give $10,000 to anybody you see fit. Would you feel nervous about doing that? Would you feel like you couldn't do it? Would you feel like you were bothering people? No, you'd be like, hey, I got the big gift for you. Like here, like $10,000. Like, and you're all excited about it and they're excited to receive it. And it'd be wonderful. It'd be really easy. You'd come back and you'd say, hey, you have any more to give? Because it went quick. That's what you're doing though. You've got like a, a priceless gift of how you're going to be able to impact somebody's life. And now the question becomes, are you offering it like that? Are you inviting people into a conversation with you as if it's like the greatest birthday party in the world? Or are you inviting people into conversation and they don't really know what it's about and you're not really communicating it clearly and then they're confused. And in sales, there's an expression, the confused mind always says no. Or the confused mind says, let me think about it, which ultimately almost always means no. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so from that place, get really clear on what you do, get really clear on why you do it. And then just genuinely be interested in people, be curious about where they're at and where they want to be. And then ask, would you like some help with that? And then when they say, yeah, sure. Like, tell me about it. Like, what would that look like? Tell stories, 
tell stories about people you've worked with, tell stories about, you know, make some names up, obviously protect some you know, confidentiality, but you know, make some names up and you know, create one or two short stories that are relevant to them based on their situation. So they go, wow, like, I want that. What you did for Mary, can you do that for me? Absolutely. How you do it, what supplements you give them, acupuncture protocols, homeopathy, whatever that is, that's secondary. Now that's what's gonna help them get the result, but that's not gonna get them in the door. And so if you focus mm -hmm. on that, the business won't grow. And again, when the business doesn't grow, you're not helping as many people as you could be. And so I definitely see just so many naturopathic doctors, the world needs us. And yeah. if we are just holding ourselves back, unconsciously or consciously, from serving as powerfully as we could be, it's doing a disservice. I agree, especially during, especially during this year and just during this time, you know, we see how much of a need there is for the work that we do. And I really love that you, um, again, made that distinction of, of the way we approach sales um, because there is this huge just mindset um, shift that needs to happen for for our profession in order to get to where you know we could be and to help the amount of people that we could be helping and I mean when you think about it even just starting out you know if you're not charging maybe what you're worth if you aren't telling people about what you do how are you going to grow to um, to be able to provide you know so that you can hire your first assistant so that you can help more people so that you're not the one spending your time doing all that work you know if you if you're not charging it what you're worth if you're not um, putting yourself out there and letting people know how you could be that catalyst in their life um, then how are you going to you know provide other jobs for other people and and maybe someday provide other jobs for other naturopathic doctors to give them the opportunity to help more people you know so when you look at it that way of just by by you um bringing in money as a tool so that you can then continue to grow and share the work that you do to help more people it it does kind of take take that uh, weight off of feeling like, oh, I shouldn't be um, charging this much or I shouldn't be, um, you know, selling myself or how, you know, whatever those mind, um, those blocks are, you know, if you, if you change the way that you look at it, like what you're saying, then you can just do so much more for who knows? I mean, it's, you know, the bounds yeah. are limitless, right? Of you, you could be helping people from all around the world at this point. <laughs> yeah. And if anybody, as a quick thing, if anybody has any hesitation of, let's say, what they're charging, hmm. understand what you're selling. That's the key. You're not selling the 40 minutes or the hour and a half or the two hours or the 30 minutes or whatever time frame you're using. That's not what you're selling. You're selling the next several decades of improved life that this person's going to have as a result of the work that you are doing with them. When you look at it like that, whatever price you're charging probably seems pretty small. But when you just look at it from a time perspective, then you have all these judgments based on, oh, well, this person's charging that and that person's charging this, so I should be somewhere in the middle. Or, you know, in my previous career, I charged this, that seems reasonable, so I'll charge that. You make up your prices. There are NDs that charge little to nothing, and there's NDs in Manhattan that charge like 1500 an hour. What do you want to charge? Now, what you charge is going to determine who sees you. It's going to determine how many patients you have. But get clear on the lifestyle you want to live. That's key first. Before you come up with a business model and charging, and like how many days do you want to work? How many hours do you want to work those days? Are there certain days a week that you want to just take off because you want to be with your kids or you want to go to a baseball game with your little kid or you want to do something like that. When you get crystal clear on the lifestyle you want, then you build your business around that. You don't build your, your business around, you build your business around your life, not your life around your business. And so when you're built, most people do the opposite. So they're looking at their business and they're working their butt off and they're putting all these hours in. And then as we, as we said in the beginning, there's, there's very little uh, time for the self care. And, and it's also not prioritized because they come home and they say, maybe I'm tired and I don't want to do that. So they don't do it. 
and then it becomes a consistent habit, and then it might have burnout. That might be the end result. They get stressed out, excuse me, and they get burned out. So if we can really come to this place of let's reverse the model, what's the life I want to live? How many days do I want to work? How many hours do I want to work on those days? And then how much would I need to charge in each of those hours to create and sustain that lifestyle? Look at all your bills, your rent or your mortgage or your, whatever your expenses are. This is how much I need every month coming in. Okay, given that, how many days would I want to work? Oh, you know, I want to take every Friday off as an example. Cool, so you have every Friday's off. And when do you want to work? I want to work from 9 a.m. to 4, Monday to Thursday. Okay, cool. So given that time frame, five, four days a week, you do the math. How much would you need to charge? And that's your number. And, if, and keep in mind, every number is neutral. Numbers don't mean anything. So if that number is intimidating to you, if that number is too much, in quotes, mm-hmm. then that's up to you. If do you, want to, you can lower it. If you lower it now, you either have to work more hours or you can't take Friday off given the lifestyle that you are living or want to live with the bills that you said you need to pay, right? When you make it really logical like that, that's how much you charge. People go, how much do I charge? That's the formula right there. And when you start that way, then you can really prioritize the things that matter most to you. In this example, you have Fridays off. What do you want to do on Fridays? You know, you get home from work or you have maybe a morning routine. If work's at nine and you wake up at seven or 6.30 or five, you have your morning routine, and what are you going to do to make sure you're on, like you're on fire for your, for your patients? What are you going to make sure that you, re, that you do between patients, that you can rejuvenate a little bit? But if you don't prioritize you, you mentioned it earlier, most people put themselves last. Mm-hmm. And metaphorically, if this is a, you know, a see-through bottle, let's say, and the water is all the way up here, what most people do, mission is disclosed before I say that, <laughs> what most people do is they just keep dumping it out and they're giving it, they're giving it, they're giving it, not realizing that it's lower and lower and lower. And as it gets lower, they feel it. They're breathing a little bit heavier. They're not sleeping as well. They're a little bit stressed out. But people want, people want what they have. So they just keep giving and giving and giving. And at some point, they're down here and they've got a couple drops. And the same people keep showing up with the handout. And, you know, they want to, get, and then eventually you're like, <laughs> you've got nothing left for yourself. And now you got to take a month off. Now you feel burned out. Now you got all these things. And like, you know, something, something as in, like metaphorically, it's not, I, it's not metaphorically, I don't know why I said that. But in, in terms of when I graduated, I had a lot of people tell me that were in my class that, oh my God, like I'm taking a couple of weeks off. I'm taking a month off, like adrenal fatigue. I felt more energized the day I graduated and after I graduated than I did when I first started school. And it had nothing to do with me being special. It was how I took care of myself in school. It was how I prioritized that. Someone goes, I don't have time. You don't not have time. Like this is the most important thing you can do. Someone goes, oh, I don't have time to learn sales. Then, you're gonna, then you have to have time to go out of business. Like those are the options. Mm-hmm. I don't have time to take care of myself well, then you're going to make time for a short-lived career. You know, it's like you're going to make time to not serve people as powerfully as you could. You're going to make time for making a mistake on a chart note because you fell asleep in the middle of it. <laughs> like, you know, it's like you got to take care of yourself. And if people take anything from this call, really have increase your self-awareness of what it is you want, what kind of life you want to live, why you want to live that, what kind of what you do, why you do that, why it matters, the impact that you really want to have to the point where you're crying, thinking about it, getting emotional. And then from there, figure out what you need to charge given the lifestyle you want to live. If you think that number is too high, cool, bring it down, but understand how that changes everything else. And then outside of that, you know, prioritize your self-care in a way that works for you. You know, don't do things because everyone else is doing them. Do the things that actually speak to you, that actually excite you, that actually work for you. And whatever that is, if you did that, your business is going to improve. Your self-confidence in what you do is going to improve. Your communication of what you do is going to improve. More people are going to want to work with you because they actually understand the result they're going to get. And you're going to actually create the lifestyle that you want because you're starting with that in mind instead of you're just kind of trying to run your business and somehow create a life that you would like later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Oh my goodness. You have shared so many t- 
tools and methods for people to really transform their lives and their businesses. And so I'm so, I'm so thankful for having you on today. Thank you so much for sharing all of your, your wisdom with us and all of your advice that you have gathered from all of these years of experience, starting at 14, 15, my goodness. <laughs> I really appreciate that, Dr. Kirsten. And again, thank you for having me. And for everybody listening, thank you so much. And, you know, listen to this episode more than once. Mm-hmm. You know, I'd recommend listen to it once, listen to it again, take notes on it, and apply. We said it right in the beginning. Most <laughs> of us know what to do, and we don't do it. Don't make this the same. If you make this the same, oh, you listened to it. That was some great information. Maybe I'll try that. And then you go back to work and you get busy and then you forget about it. And then six years go by and someone else tells you the same thing. And then you go, I heard about that on a podcast once. (laughs) Well, you didn't do any of it. If you don't apply what you've heard, you've wasted your time listening to this. Mm. Listen and apply and your whole life will change. Yes. Uh, so thankful. Thank you so much. And where can people find you? Where can they um, get more information from you? I know that you're always putting out all these little inspirational videos for everyone. So where can people connect with you? Thank you. Yeah. So in terms of like the, the videos and the blogs and posts like that, if they're on social media, they can find me on Instagram at Dr. Jamil Sayed. The links will be in the show notes like D-R-J-A-M-I-L-S-A-Y-E-G-H. I'm also on Facebook, just under my name, Jamil Sayage. Um, all the videos are on both of those. And on my website, jamilsayage.com, there's a lot of blogs and different videos and kind of diving deeper into the personal transformation. If that's interesting you, you want to have a conversation, you want to dive deep in any work in your life, I'm available to you. I'd love to have a conversation. And if that calls to you, please feel free to reach out. That's wonderful. I'm sure that you have helped so many um, professionals and I think naturopathic doctors, you know, we all need a mentor. We all need someone else to just help us along. And so, you know, one of the reasons why I love interviewing um, naturopathic doctors who are also coaching and providing the mentorship for other providers is because we all need we all need someone else like we just we just do we can't you know we need a team for ourselves as well um you know we can't just be the the team for everyone else we need we need our own people to help us along the way as well so you know just after this conversation i can see how much um, impact you would have on so many naturopathic doctors and their businesses so um you know i hope that some people reach out to you and and work with you because you know, and even just listening to this podcast, like you said, listen to it, listen to it again, take notes, actually apply what what Dr. Jamil has shared because there's so much in there. I'm so like, I'm pumped to share this. So again, thank you so much, Dr. Jamil. Hopefully, you know, we can do this again and keep, keep the conversation going to help keep everyone inspired. So thank you again. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And thank you all for listening and for watching. Be sure to share and subscribe to keep the inspiration going. As always, be well and stay inspired.